Hi and welcome to Malicious Life in collaboration with Cyberism. This week, in between the regular episodes of our podcast and while you're waiting for the second part of the mini-series on Bitcoin's Segwit 2x conundrum, I have a different kind of episode for you. It's an episode of the podcast CP Radio that I and the rest of the Malicious Life team are creating for Checkpoint's research division. Checkpoint, if you're not familiar with the name, is one of the very first cybersecurity companies. It was created in the early 90s and pioneered the use of firewalls for enterprise and personal protection. CP Radio is also a podcast about cybersecurity, but it has a slightly different character than what you're used to in Malicious Life. While Malicious Life focuses mainly on the history of cybersecurity, CP Radio brings contemporary real-world stories done by the Checkpoint research team of analysts and investigators. The story you're about to hear now is about a fairly recent vulnerability that the research team uncovered in Fortnite, a video game so popular it's actually described as a cultural phenomena on Wikipedia. I don't know about its cultural impact, but I can tell you that my kids have spent hundreds of hours in the game and hundreds of dollars on in-game perks and skins. And they're certainly not the only ones. The game boasts more than 100 million players worldwide. If you love the episode you're about to hear, you can find more CP Radio episodes at research.checkpoint.com and of course you can find the podcast in every podcast app out there. Search for CP Radio. That's it for now. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome back to the Checkpoint Research Podcast. My name is Ren Levy. In this episode of our show, we'll be talking about Fortnite, or more specifically, Fortnite Battle Royale one of the most popular video games of all time. And, How and many people play Fortnite in, across the okay, world? Okay, so this is, this, is, this is the key. So we are saying it's a game, but this is like huge infrastructure. We're talking about around 80, uh, sorry, around 90 million players per day. To date, over 250 million people around the world have played the game. For context, that's greater than the populations of UK, France, Italy and Spain combined. As we shall soon hear, many of these players spend a lot of money on the game. Epic Games, the company behind the game, have already racked in a healthy $2 billion and counting. That is why when Checkpoint's researchers discovered in late 2018 a serious vulnerability that allowed attackers to take over a user's account and all the money and assets it contained by just having that user click a maliciously crafted link, well, this was real bad news. Really, Fortnite has graduated from a game into a cultural phenomenon. Celebrities played, including some of the world's most popular musicians. Drake, Travis Scott, the Jonas Brothers, and more. And some of the world's most popular athletes, like Antoine Griezmann. 
Fortnite had its own World Cup this year with a viewing audience of over 2 million and grand prizes of $3 million handed out to the winners. Griezmann, in comparison, would have taken home only around half a million for winning his World Cup. Back in December of last week, David Fitzdale, coach of the New York Knicks, told The Athletic magazine, quote, Fortnite, that's my competitor now. Fortnite is tougher than the Boston Celtics. He was joking, but not joking at the same time. The Knicks, who, if you watch basketball, you'll know, didn't need any more problems than they already had, were really into Fortnite. Mitchell Robinson, the team's star rookie, admitted to it. Quote, we'd be up all night to like three in the morning playing that game. The Knicks, coincidentally enough, had the worst record in the NBA last season, winning just 17 out of 82 games. It is not known how many battle royales the players won during that time. And it's not just NBA players who love games. Many security professionals have also started their journey in technology through games, although not always playing them the way their creators meant them to be played, if you know what I mean. Oded Vanunu is the head of product vulnerability research at Checkpoint, and he owes his first steps in vulnerability research to computer games. But, you know, I started my career as a kid, as a, like someone that was uh, really freaked out from technology and computer from hacking games. <laughs> <laughs> so you started with hacking games. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, you know, uh, when we played games when like, uh, I don't know, it's like uh, 30 years ago, it's like to play a game, you had to be like a, a, a coder. You had like 20 floppy disks and uh, you had to enter to DOS and start like mess with the code and and then after Kids today they don't appreciate yeah, exactly and <laughs> then like have. after half an hour that you start the game you progress with the game and then you failed in the game and then you need to start from the beginning again <laughs> all this process and made me crazy and i said i need to understand how i jump to stage 40 instead like beginning from stage one and then <laughs> this was like starting my entire... Uh, so it's a kind of closure for uh, you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> catching vulnerabilities in games that you yourself once used. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was to like my kickoff. <laughs> As Fortnite grew in popularity over the past two years, so too did it become a bigger and bigger target. But even more than its popularity, there's another reason why Fortnite is so lucrative to criminals. It has to do with how the game works. Fortnite is free to play. You can literally play hundreds of hours of Fortnite without spending a penny on it. So how does Epic Games make billions of dollars off a free game? Their goal is to create every day new themes, new features, new weapons, new scenarios, new look and feel. And this is like keeping the audience alive and, and passionate for the game. There's a culture around Fortnite that encourages people to buy new in-game merchandise that they can play around with and show off to their friends. These purchases are purely cosmetic, so you might wonder why would anybody buy anything that doesn't actually matter in the game? Look, 
I don't know. Whatever Epic Games has done has worked. The game supports a huge in-game economy powered by its own computer currency called V-Bucks. And one of the uh, keys to, to solve uh, the objective of uh, Fortnite uh, gold to, to have like a big revenue is that they created like a, a cryptocurrency of the game. It's called V-Bucks. This is the money of the game. And you convert like uh, traditional money into V-Bucks and then you can purchase like weapons. Uh, uh, you can purchase like uh, uh, icons or people or, or players. And, and, and then you can have much more power and capabilities. And, and, Just and to give the audience a sense uh, of the craziness of this new business. My kids alone have spent hundreds of dollars on Fortnite. Yeah, absolutely. More than... All the computer games they've ever bought combined. V-Bucks are the key part of what makes Fortnite accounts so hackable, V-Bucks, and the fact that every account must be associated with a credit card in order to buy those V-Bucks. Just think of my kid's account. It's associated with my credit card information. It possesses lots of in-game merchandise they bought with that credit card, as well as some leftover V-Bucks they'll use for more merchandise. Altogether, that amounts to well over $100 of value, plus my credit card. Imagine, then, the power somebody would have if they could simply hijack my kid's Fortnite account. First of all, I have the money that I can use immediately. And if I have this account, I can start purchase a lot of weapons and then you can transfer it to another account, which is like another fake account. And this fake account, transfer it to another account. And then there is starting to uh, uh, transfer thousands of dollars of merchandise to Uh, some kind of fake boats users, and there they start sell it on, uh, on the internet. And apart from selling the content of my account, the hackers could also sell the account itself, which Oded says could be a stepping stone to many other different types of attacks. And we need to understand that in, in application world, in the, in the era that we live today, era of uh, uh, cloud services and, and, and application that all replicate on the cloud, account takeover is one of the worst scenarios uh, because once I have the account, I'm controlling behind the scene this user. Oded is certainly not the first person to have thought of how Fortnite can be weaponized. In fact, there's an entire black market that surrounds this game. So in 2018, we started to get intelligence that Fortnite is becoming a money laundry operation. And then we said, what? Money laundering is rampant in Fortnite. If you're unfamiliar with the term, money laundering refers to the process of making money generated by way of criminal activity appear to come from a legitimate source. In Fortnite's case, the hackers can siphon V-Bucks from compromised accounts, move them to other accounts, and from there sell them on eBay, Alibaba, or similar platforms. By 2018, between hijacked accounts, black market V-Buck trading and credit card fraud, 
it had become clear that Epic Games had a security problem with their most popular title. So the Checkpoint Research team decided to take a look at where the problems might be coming from. So then we started to uh, research the entire infrastructure and, and game flow of uh, Fortnite from a perspective of authentications and uh, understanding how the network is really working. As the CPR team poked around the game's login process, trying to figure out what was making Fortnite accounts so easily hackable, they ended up finding a whole new category of vulnerability previously unknown to the game's developers. To better understand the vulnerability they found, let's first understand Epic Games' authentication process. A gamer who wants to log in to Fortnite is presented with two basic options. Logging in with an email and password, or by authenticating to a trusted third party such as Google or Facebook. This latter option is known as SSO, short for Single Sign-On, meaning the user can log in to one service and then use this authentication with multiple services. Oded explains. Today, the methods to authenticate it to Epic Games is using SSO technology. And what is SSO technology? Today, on every application that you use, you can log in as Login as Gmail, logging as Facebook, logging as Instagram, logging as uh, PlayStation, etc. These are like big service provider. So instead of uh, creating a new user in Epic website, yeah. Epic's website, yeah. you can log in as a Google user yeah, or Facebook user. Yeah, and this is this is tr- the trend today. Most of the authentication is like that because it's boring today to create application and then to start create like. A user database. So it means that user that uh, using the SSO service is, uh, let's say, that is authenticated to uh, Fortnite. So is using, for example, Gmail. So there is API between the application and uh, Gmail. And once I'm doing authenticated by Gmail, I am going to my application send request to uh, uh, Gmail. Gmail send me authentication request that I'm doing. Uh, um, uh, throughout Gmail, I'm not doing it through... through You're throughout. authenticated to through Gmail, Gmail yes. not to Epic. Yes, and, and once mm-hmm. I'm success, Gmail sending via API token. And this token has nothing to do with my user and password because my user and password is private and it's only with Gmail. But Gmail approved my authentication and they are sending Epic game. Okay is uh, authorized this is his token it, the token is like a big big string of numbers uh, and characters uh, yes, yes exactly and 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 this token is validated uh, uh, send it to epic game as the epic game saying okay this user or dead for example and this is token this was like successful now once I will see uh, this token, I know that it belongs to that and now this this token is like is secret for all the application. In other words, if, for example, the user selects Google as the authenticating agent, he or she will be taken to Google's login page, where they will be prompted to enter their credentials. If the authentication is valid, Google will send them back to Epic Games' server with an SSO token, and Epic will then redirect them automatically to the game server itself. 
That's the basic authentication process. It's essentially Epic Games asking Google or Facebook to authenticate the user for them. And uh, after investigating a uh, uh, few uh, methods and scenarios, we come uh, into multi-vector vulnerabilities that uh, really replicate or explain to us uh, uh, how malicious actor really took accounts or hijack accounts. What Oded means by multi-vector is that the exploit he's talking about has multiple steps to it. More than one type of attack combined together into an even more powerful attack. The two uh, multi-vector uh, attacks that were involved is first of all something that's called cross-site scripting on a subdomain that was belonged to Epic Games. Cross-site scripting is the most common vulnerability on the internet today because of how websites use JavaScript. Say you visit a website and you type a keyword into its search bar. Underneath the hood, your keyword will be processed through a JavaScript function, which will return results as it was designed to do. Simple. But what if, instead of typing a keyword, you typed code? into that search bar. It looks like code, it smells like code, and so the web page will read it as code. But it would be madness if just anybody could write code into any website they visited. Imagine Google, if anybody could tell it what to do. A web page needs some way of sanitizing the information it receives, of saying to itself, don't execute this as code. If the information fed to the website through a search bar, in our case, is not sanitized, this means that malicious attackers can hijack the website and make the server run the script they provided. In other words, the website is vulnerable to cross-site scripting. The team's first objective then was to find a website in Epic Games Network which was vulnerable to such an attack. To build today application, you must use a lot of subdomains, a lot of uh, um, a lot of URLs, a lot of logics between uh, pages and, and for example, accounts dot epic subdomain exactly. Subdomains are like rooms in a house, defined areas where unique components of a larger website take place. Once upon a time, ut2004stats.epicgames.com was a popular subdomain of Epic Games web infrastructure used to list user stats for the company's Unreal Tournament game. But that was a decade and a half ago, and now, like an abandoned attic, it was simply catching dust, waiting for bats to move in. So we found a, a cross-site scripting vulnerability on one of the subdomain, which means that we can inject HTML code and, and this HTML code can do whatever we want because there is no sanitation from the server-side application that say, okay, I'm just getting this input and that's it. The subdomain's cross-site scripting vulnerability allowed the CPR team to walk into the abandoned attic and set up shop. They had an Epic Games subdomains all to themselves to run almost whatever code they wished it to run. Because today we live in, in a world that 
of multi-vector attack, meaning that you you start with simple, probably simple uh, vulnerability, can leverage it to 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 activate another step vulnerability mm-hmm. that this vulnerability provide you more permissions. This is like the tricks. This is like multi-vector uh, vulnerability. This is most of the uh, things that we we see today. Having set their base of operations, Oded and his team now needed to find a weak point in Epic's framework, which would allow them to leverage the cross-site scripting vulnerability to crack Fortnite accounts. It was one member of the team who had an idea to look into the login portal's SSO login feature. It turned out that Epic's implementation of the SSO mechanism had a small flaw in it that allowed an attacker with access to a cross-site scripting hacked subdomain of Epic to divert the SSO token so it was sent to the attacker as well. We had a vulnerability of cross-site scripting from uh, accounts.epicgames.com, which is... Uh, uh, the login uh, domain yes, exactly. of, of Epic. And this um, allows us to inject HTML code that exploit another vulnerability on the SSO implementation of Epic Games. And the vulnerability on the SSO impl- implementation is that it allows us to manipulate where to send the token. And this allows us to redirect the token also to us. The hacked subdomain, UT2004stats, is essentially shoved into the line of communication between the Epic Games login portal and the SSO login providers like Facebook and Google. The hacked subdomain requests and receives the same login SSO token that the official site gets. Since the SSO token is the proof that the user is who he or she says they are, the attacker can now waltz into the user's account and take it over. This is the essence of a multi-vector attack. Combining a flaw in the SSO login process, an unsanitized search bar, and a long-forgotten subdomain into one masterfully crafted and highly powerful attack that starts with a single click on a link. It's a bit like moving different chess pieces on a board to deal a deadly checkmate. When you hear hackers talk about the beauty and elegance of a skillful hack, I think that's what they're talking about. And what's more, it's not just that CPR is able to siphon off a user's SSO login token, though they're doing it entirely under the radar because the malicious link sent to the user is basically the same link that a user would click on when pressing the login button at Epic's website. This allows malicious user to craft a URL that is coming from Epic Game Domain, which means that any security control will not suspect it because this is coming from the game domain, which means it's like whitelist. Because Oded set up the malicious drop point at an Epic Games subdomain, no alarms were raised. It's like dressing up as a bank teller in order to steal money from a bank. 
At this point then, Oded and his team were able to successfully exploit two Epic Games subdomains in order to covertly steal the authentication token associated with a Fortnite's player's account. With a hijacked account, a criminal can buy V-Bucks and in-game merchandise and then sell them off at the black market for cash. But it gets worse than that. Hacked accounts can also be used as a launch point to initiate more and more account takeovers. So, for example, if I'm targeting some kind of uh, account, then it means that I'm starting to get really good access to the network of this account. And then I can start to move to another account. And then I can start to move to another account. And then... I can say something like that. Hey, I have 100 V-Bucks ready for you. Click this link. And, and I can push it on any social media or also on Epic Games domain. And everyone that will see it, see that it's coming from Epic Games. And once they click it, that's it. Behind the scene, the token is being sent to the malicious users. What would you do if you saw a message from your friend telling you about a deal that you'd be interested in? I'm not sure that most of us would be careful enough not to click on that dirty link. And we're adults who know a thing or two about security. The demographic of this podcast and the demographic of Fortnite are rather different. We need to understand that most of the players are kids. And this, from the beginning, provide like a vulnerable people, more vulnerable people. And the logic of the game is that you use your microphone, sometimes camera, and you have a big network. And, and most of the game, you're talking with people, you chat with people, you, you exchange links, you exchange information. And this is like the best infrastructure for malicious sector. After Checkpoint brought their cross-site scripting SSO vulnerability to Epic's game's attention, the developers quickly patched their site to account for the problem. Still, because of the popularity of their game, its value to cyber criminals and the typical demographic of their user base, Epic Games cannot on their own protect all their users from all possible cyber threats. There are still fake websites out there drawing in unsuspecting players, offering rare merchandise and cheap V-Bucks. As parents, I think that um, there is like something that we call, and most of the applications have this ability, it's called two-factor authentication. It's meaning that uh, if I'm authenticated to some kind of application, I need to get another factor usually on email or SMS. And this factor is another key that is like random, generic, and I'm getting it. So it means that if I'm someone is hijacking my account, the second factor will be sent directly to me, to my phone. The objective in a game of Fortnite Battle Royale is to survive, to stay alive as long as you can until you're the only player left in the game. In order to do this, players must gather weapons, take cover, and build structures around them in order to better leverage themselves against incoming attacks. The objective in cybersecurity is to stay secure, 
to gather knowledge, stay cautious, and use tools like two-factor authentication to better protect yourself from attackers. Tens of millions of people around the world would be well-suited to apply the lessons they've learned in Fortnite outside of Fortnite. You and I would too. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. For past episodes, visit Checkpoint's research blog at research.checkpoint.com and you can follow Checkpoint Research on Twitter or follow me at, at @ranlevy. That's R A N L E V I. CP Radio is produced by PI Media, written by Nate Nelson, produced by Guy B Noon and edited and narrated by me, Ran Levy. See you next episode. Bye-bye.